Well, God is good. Amen. We're going to receive our love offering at the end tonight for our brother. Amen. We're going to give him as much time to share the word of God. Did you enjoy this morning? Oh, it was over the top. Brother Joe, come on up. Share the word with us. Let's give him again another big CFFC. Welcome. God bless you. Yes, great to be with you. Thank you for coming. Praise the Lord. Good to see you tonight. Thanks for coming, taking the time to come hear the word. I know we're supposed to gather all the more uh, as we see the day approaching. So with all the signs, we can certainly see the day approaching, and it's exciting. It's not, uh, not fearful, not scary. It's wonderful that we're about to see the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Wow. I mean, how, how the appreciation we show when we sing and magnify him, all of a sudden we're going to be there face to face. And I know it's probably a little bit shocking to go from faith to sight, but I know it'll be fun. And uh, we ha you have such a great future. You think about the reunion you'll have with all your loved ones and, and to get to see heaven, get to see the throne of God. I mean, we, our minds go there, but I'm sure we can't really even grasp how wonderful it'll be. You hear stories and read stories about people that have gone home to be with the Lord and came back or whatever, and it's just astounding. Not one time have I ever seen somebody that wanted to stay. They all, I mean, wanted to come back. They all wanted to stay there. Yeah, they were like, don't make me go back to the earth. I want to be in heaven. Praise the Lord. In his presence is fullness of joy. So as Christians, about the coming of the Lord, it should be a marked look on all of us that we're happy. We're expectant, we're joyful, just like if you're going to get married. I said that this morning. How many of you were excited the night before you got married? And I, I hope you were. Praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> I'd be, be sad if you were bummed out. But uh, we're about to be with the king. And uh, so there's just a lot of uh, interesting things on this generation. There's a destiny to be a voice and a witness. There's destiny to be in position. Uh, there's destiny to literally show people that Jesus came out of the grave. Not show them slick church, not power church, but resurrection church. That he's alive forevermore. And, and knowing that, you think of the group that you all are. There, there's a, an unusual thread through this group, knowing the word, knowing who you are in Christ. He's already presented you holy, unblameable, and unreprovable on his side. So he's not mad at you, not frustrated with you. He loves you. And when it comes to the coming of the Lord, there, it's gotten so twisted that people were afraid to hear the message. So I, I'm in awe of that, but he, he wants to bless you, he wants to strengthen you, and he wants you to accelerate. Get as, as much done in a short period of time as we possibly can. So tonight we'll pick up with a couple of minutes of review, and then we'll go on even further and just see how far we go. But I won't go too long, because I want you to come back. You know, I say that, I'm real conscious of time, because I have been in the meeting when Jesus had left the building, and the preacher didn't know it. So... <laughs> I've been in many of those where the Lord waved goodbye and the guy just kept on going like, dude, he left 30 minutes ago. So I'm super weird about making sure uh, you don't get worn out because I want you to come back. John Osteen said, he who preaches short shall be heard again. So, well, thank you. That's right. Isn't it? Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So grab your Bibles and you just turn wherever you think you ought to turn. We'll see if you're flowing. Praise the Lord. Go back to Luke and we'll start there. Luke 21. And I know we went through a lot of signs, but we'll do about five minutes of that, and then we'll kick right into what's next for us, our next appointment, because the Lord wants us ready and excited about it. So, Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for everyone that came. Lord, we live on every single word that you say in this book. We thank you that your words are spirit and they are life. Incorruptible seed, Father. When it's sown tonight, it'll grow up and it will become. So we thank you for great strength, great boldness for your last day church. And Father, even, uh, I said it this morning, Father, there'll be a, a season of performance that was, that was told of this church. Everything that was told of them, well, they'll see a season of it all coming to pass. A harvest 
harvest season. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for planting, but we thank you for the harvest season that's coming for this church. We thank you for it. Thank you for blessing Pastor Tom and Pastor Diane. This will be the best season of their life, a joyful season of grace and, and wisdom and boldness for them. Lord, give them new vision. Give them new grace. Thank you for strength for their bodies. And we thank you for this season, Lord. We'll all put our hearts in to do everything we can to get the will of God wrought for all of us. In Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody said amen. Go back there to, to Luke 21. We'll pick up with a couple of, a uh, little bit of uh, review, if you want to call it that. And I always try to tell a couple of testimonies before I get going. I'll give you one from Craig, Colorado. I was there a few years ago, and it was so cold. They had to put engine heaters on the blocks of the engine. It was like 25 below zero. And I was preaching there, and I felt like someone wanted to kill me while I was preaching. It was kind of weird. I was like, man, I can just feel it. Somebody wants to kill me. I finished the service and called some words of knowledge out. You know, the Lord will give me a few or whatever, and I don't, sometimes more, sometimes less. Just, just doesn't matter. But I said, there's someone here you got shot in the eye. And, and back then, I called people down. What's going to have them come down? And I got to praying for some other people and forgot about the guy shot in the eye. Because normally, I'll wait for him. I used to sit down on the platform and go, I'm not leaving until you come. But I don't do that anymore just because we're just so running out of time. So I said, you, you, uh, I forgot about him, went back to the hotel. Colleen and I went back to the hotel, went to the lobby that afternoon to get some coffee. This guy came walking in. He goes, hey, I was coming to the service tonight to kill you. I, I said, can I get you some coffee? <laughs> you, you take cream and sugar? What can I do for you? He goes, no. He goes, I'm the guy that got shot in the eye. He said, I was going to come kill you. Because I felt like somebody wanted to kill me that first service. And uh, he said, this afternoon, this heat came down over me. I got my eyesight back, and I called on the name of the Lord. So he's wanting to kill the preacher and gets healed and saved. The Lord, the Lord is so good. He's, so, he's just kind, totally kind. Amen? I was in Sydney, Australia, and the worship leader told his wife, you make sure our daughter comes this morning. She wasn't all excited about coming to hear the word. She's about 15. And while I was preaching, I could tell that she wasn't excited about coming that morning. You know, because facial expression, communication, 57% facial expression. She was communicating to me that she didn't want to be there <laughs> and communicating that she didn't want to hear about end times, you know. So I preached on the signs. Afterwards, I had a word of knowledge that someone had damage in their tailbone, like it busted. And uh, just called out, said, you're healed. Called some other things out. Well, this girl comes walking up to me. She's probably 15 after service. She's bawling. She goes, I was so mad at my mom and dad. She said, I'm eighth in pole vaulting in the nation of Australia. And the last time I fell and busted my tailbone, I haven't been able to play. She said, I felt this heat come down over me. I can tell my, my body's healed. So it's wild how people come kicking and screaming and the Lord just reaches out to them. Just as reaches, because he loves them. He wants them to enjoy what he paid for. So if I told you stories all night, you'd go, oh my God, that's absolutely insane. But he's always showing his goodness and his kindness. Amen. And boy, all of a sudden we're going to see him face to face. So let's grab our Bibles there and go to Luke 21 and we'll do a couple minutes of review. Luke 21, verse 24. And we'll start with this. In verse 24, he said, and, and uh, there'll be a, Gosh, I can't even find it. They'll, they'll, they'll fall by the edge of the sword, and they'll be led away captive unto all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down, or I like the word overthrown, some, some verses say. Overthrown of, or trodden down of the Gentiles until the times. The times of the nations or the Gentiles are fulfilled. So it's pretty crazy that the Lord was that bold to go, okay, you watch this city get one back, and, and that's when you can tell time is up. So we said it this morning. Everything revolves around Jerusalem. If you live west of Jerusalem, you read left to right. If you live east of Jerusalem, you read right to left. The Bible says Jerusalem would be a cup of trembling for all nations. And it's so wild to watch what's happening with other nations and how they treat Israel about Jerusalem. They can't stand in the Six-Day War here when this happened that, that, that Israel got Jerusalem back. There's just this hatred for that. 
But here, that happened in 1967, the Six-Day War. I talked about those uh, tanks this morning. There's so many other stories of miracles. Uh, one of the stories was the Israeli army was there, had four or five guys left. The Syrian army was coming right toward them. And they, had, they said, how many shells do you have? He goes, I got three. How many you got? I got four. So they were about to die. They shook each other's hands. There was a minefield right there, so they had nowhere to go because the minefield was right there. This huge wind blew through and exposed every single one of the mines. They walked right through the minefield and got away from them. They were alive. I mean, miracle after miracle. You can look it up on YouTube called Against All Odds. And the guys I'm talking about, this is what they say. We don't even believe in this stuff, but something happened. <laughs> so they don't hardly even believe after it happened. So it's like, come on, man, that's not faith. You're, un you're unbelief afterwards. So uh, it's amazing to see the intervention of God. Why? Because time's up. We talked about it this morning, 1917. Some big things happened. 50 years later, one jubilee, 67, Jerusalem's won back. So go down a little further. Watch what the Lord says in verse 29. As he spake to them a parable, he said, When they now shoot forth, you see the fig tree, behold the fig tree, which is Israel, and all the trees, that's the prophetic nations around Israel. When they now shoot forth or bud, you see and know of your own selves that summer our harvest is nigh at hand. So likewise, when you see these things come to pass, run into the woods and freak out. <laughs> no. He said, know that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. So he's telling us this so we can know this, not wonder, not sense. He said, when you see this, you can know the kingdom's close. But the next verse is the ticker. Look at verse 31, verse 32. Verily I say unto you, this generation, what generation? The one that sees Israel made a nation and Jerusalem one back. That group of people will not pass away till all is fulfilled. Look at the next verse. Heaven and earth will be altered, but my words will not be altered. In other words, you can't change this. Buckle up. If you see this, I'm, that's the generation I'm coming back for. So he admonishes up to the next verse in verse 34. He said, take heed to yourselves, lest at any times your hearts be overcharged with and, surfeiting and drunkenness and the cares of life, so that day comes upon you unaware. So he said, you can be living when these two big signs are happening and you're so busy. The Message Bible says, don't let the sharp edge of your expectation get dulled by shopping. I didn't say that. I'm quoting the Message Bible. Okay, come on. But in other words, you can be so preoccupied that the things that God said you'd see just before he comes that are so big that people don't even notice it because they're busy. That's why Jesus said, when you see these things, lift up your heads. Your redemption is drawing nigh. And think about it. Remember when Jesus would walk into town, demons would start screaming out, have you come to torment us before the time? Interesting. I love it. Instant submission. Jesus hadn't even opened his mouth, and they're, they're going, don't hurt us. Don't you love that? But you know, they knew Jesus was on a schedule, but he was early. You've come to torment us before the time. Come on, if demons can know the schedule, how much more the church? Yeah. To the point that the only time Jesus ever rebuked the, the, the crowd, he rebuked the Pharisees over and over and over again. The one time he rebuked the crowd, he says, you can tell what the weather's going to be, but you don't know your hour, your visitation. So he wanted them to know. Why would he want us to know? So you have anticipation. You make changes in your life. Remember I said it this morning. If he's coming tomorrow, I guarantee you would live different tonight. Well, I hope you would. It'd be kind of ridiculous to go, oh, I found out he's coming tomorrow, so I'm going to go crazy tonight. No. You, you would, you'd want to fit yourself into the perfect will of God. You'd want to honor him, bless him, magnify him. You, you know, the, the closer you get to Jesus, the softer you are, the kinder you are, the more merciful you are. Come on. And that's what he's looking for, a, a church filled with grace and mercy and kindness, power, resurrection power, all those. So we see this, and we go through all the signs. You got Israel made a nation, Jerusalem won back. You got the Hebrew language restored. 
you got the revival of the Roman Empire. Did anybody look up the Tower of Babel, how it's just like that? The, the building the EU put in there looks just identical to the Tower of Babel. Crazy. You got the fertility of the land of Israel. You got the, uh, literally the, the old, uh, old city, the, the Jewish temple there ready to rebuild that. They got all those prayers, those basically their priests, last name's Cohen. They're in position to have sacrifices. The red heifers showed up, five more. <laughs> I mean, one thing upon another, uh, Israel's putting in a fast train from Tel Aviv to the old city of Jerusalem, crazy. Uh, one thing after another, you had Russia rebuild the, the arch for Baal worship in Palmyra, and the Talmud says that's the last sign you'll see before the Messiah comes. I, I like it that you got foxes on the Temple Mount, you got the Dead Sea, had fish show up last year. This year, the Dead Sea turned blood red where Sodom and Gomorrah is. Happened on the Day of Atonement. I mean, so it's just in your face, sign after sign after sign. Predatory birds, you got birds in position, so you got Russia in position, birds in position, foxes in position, the Temple Mount Institute in position. All these groups are ready. What's the church doing? It's almost like the church. I've had people argue with me, well, you can't tell how long a generation is. I'm not looking for reasons not to obey God. I'm looking for reasons to obey God. And however you do the math, I mean, I can get real technical. Usually it's the lifespan of a man in the Old Testament, but it was about 40 years in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, it's about 70 years. But if you want to be real technical, in Matthew said these are the generations from Adam to Jesus. It was 55 years. However you do the math, it's us. Tag, you're it. (laughs) Hallelujah. So we're the generation. Think about that. The generation that gets to see the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So we talk about, there's many, I skip over, there's about 70 signs. Then you got signals, you had blood red moons. We talked about that. You had the Bethlehem star. I mean, you got the heavens declaring this. I mean, it, it's in your face if you're paying attention. Like the eclipse that's going to be here in a, uh, next year, that same eclipse happened in 2017. It started in a town called Salem on the west coast. It finished in a town called Salem on the east coast. Jerusalem, peace. That same, you had an eclipse come right down the middle of Israel. You had, the, you had literally before that, you had the, the planets form a, a, a sickle, and you had Orion change his instrument to hammer. You had hammer and sickle the same day. The sun went down directly over the Temple Mount. The coordinates for the Temple Mount. I mean, so you got all this heavenly stuff going, okay, something's up. Why would the Lord go to so much trouble? He wants people to know what time it is. Why do you wear a watch? So you won't miss an appointment. So you be where you're supposed to be on time. So it's a big deal to him. It's flawless how perfect it is. So let's take another step forward. We've got a lot of stuff to cover. We won't go too long. But let's look at the next event on God's calendar for us. Because we know the second coming is soon. These are all signs of the second coming. These are not signs of the rapture. The rapture is signless. So back up about seven years from all this about the second coming. And that's when we'll be raptured. So that's not very long. I mean, we could, we could be raptured this year, next year, the next year. Uh, it's going to be amazing. I mean, there's, everybody talks about a Shemitah year. It had to be la- this year or 2029. I don't know if I agree with that totally, but because uh, the church is so segmented out, I believe God could do it however he wants. But there are some things about the church that we'll get into that are kind of cool, like clockwork as well. So I go back and forth. So grab your Bibles and turn over to Thessalonians, and we'll start with this. I know it's a, uh, I'm going fast, but I want to get to where I want to get to, and then we'll slow down. How's that? Praise God. How many glad you came tonight? How many glad you're here you're not in jail? Come on, praise the Lord. That usually gets everybody. All right, praise the Lord. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. These are verses I know that you know them real well, but it's good to go over them a little bit and rehearse. I like it what John Osteen said. He said, you can tell when you've gotten a hold of a verse when you want to hear it over and over and over again. It's life to you, amen? So look at uh, 1 Thessalonians. Now, you remember Paul, uh, he was with them two to three weeks. This is the first letter he ever wrote to the church. 
What was, the, what was the theme of it? The coming of the Lord. Why? Nero, they thought they were in the tribulation. Nero had taken Christians, dunked them in oil, and stuck them up on poles to be nightlights. So they thought, man, we got to be in the trib. This is terrible. So Paul writes this whole discourse here to show them, don't you remember while I was with you, I taught you these things. He taught about the rapture, the second coming, and the Antichrist. And said, don't worry, the Antichrist can't even be revealed until you leave. You have so much authority, the church has to be taken off the earth so that the Antichrist can, can even be revealed. Remember, the Bible says that Jesus obliterates the Antichrist with the brightness of his coming. <laughs> no negotiation, just shows up. And, and you carry this everywhere you go. You have this treasure in earthen vessels. Whoo, hallelujah, amen. Mm, that's a good place to say glory to God, amen. So look here at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Skip down to verse 13, and we'll start with this. But I have, uh, verse 13, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. So he's talking about this so you would be joyful and hopeful. So the teaching on the coming of the Lord, if it doesn't make you happy and hopeful, it's not right teaching. Okay? If you hear preaching on the end times and it scares you, it's not Bible. I'll say that again. I'll do Elvis on that one. Here we go. If you hear it preaching and it scares you, it's not Bible. Because there's, there's no bad news for us. In other words, people have taken out the wrong group and tried to read about them. I mean, for the Jews, it's going to be an interesting seven years to put pressure on them to accept Jesus as their Messiah. I mean, you talk about, man, you don't want to be here during the tribulation, amen? amen? So he says here in verse 14, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them or precede them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. So I like verse 18. Wherefore, because of this, comfort one another with these words. So the teaching on the rapture of the church was to bring comfort, not to scare us. What's the comfort? You're not supposed to be here during the trip. He says it over and over. In the next chapter, he's not appointed you to wrath. Why? He put all that wrath on him for you. I mean, so if Jesus bore that, why would I need to bear it? Come on. And I hear people go, well, you got to go through the tribulation to purify you. No, the blood of Jesus purifies you. You're not going through hell. Amen. I hear people today going, well, the Lord's going to start tra he's training people by putting them through hell. If going through hell made us better Christians, we'd all be glowing in the dark. Amen. So, so uh, are you, and you'd have to resurrect everybody and make them live through the tribulation. So that, that's not what purifies us. The blood of Jesus purifies us. All those doctrines downplay how powerful the blood is. Amen. So in this wild, we're all of a sudden, it's the word taken. I hear people go, well, the word rapture's not there. Actually, it is. The Greek word for taken is harpazo. Same word that Elijah uh, was taken from Elisha. But in the, in the uh, uh, Latin, it's the word raptur rapture. Now, I know it sounds weird, but it's just one way of God taking people from here and taking them there. It's just an escape deal. Enoch walked with God, caught up, raptured. Elijah, raptured. The sons of the prophets knew the day he was going to go up. They told Elisha, don't you know your master's going to go today? He goes, yeah, I know it. Shut up. No. <laughs> so he was raptured. Jesus was raptured. The church will be raptured. There's a mid-trib rapture that's a, uh, uh, it's innumerable. So many people get saved the first part of the tribulation. Why? It's a pretty big sign to have people disappear. I mean, it's kind of hard to ignore that. Wow, piles of clothes everywhere? I don't believe that. Well, too bad it happened. 
And I know they're going to come up with reasons like, you know, evasion of the body snatchers or whatever, but, uh, and uh, UFOs and all that. But my friend, you're going to go from this, this planet, all of a sudden you're going to be caught up and you're going to be instantaneously be at the throne of God. Hallelujah. And he's able to subdue even all things unto himself. Think of that. He's so powerful that when he says, come up hither, every born-again person is going to get a brand-new body instantaneously, and we're going to rock it right to heaven. Hallelujah. Amen. We talked about it this morning. I, I'm excited. My weight is perfect. I'm just not the right height. So I'm believing God to get about 50 pounds taken off me in that glorified body. Come on. Amen. And never to be tired again, never to gain weight again. Come on. New body. Praise God. So, so change is coming. Change is coming. Paul talked about it in 1 Corinthians. He said, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So what he's looking for when it's tied to the rapture is a, a thought pattern of steadfastness. And see, think of what you've learned over the years. You're not moved by anything. Oh, come on, you're not, you're not moved by how you feel, you're not moved by what you see, you're moved by what the Word says about you. God's raised up a bunch of overseers for the millennium that'll know His thought and His character. He didn't have to appear to you and tell you to judge this way. You'll judge that way because you know the Word. You know His character through His Word, not through feelings. It's an absolutely amazing thought pattern. So, we're going to be caught up. What's the purpose of the rapture? Well, to take us from point A to point B, but it's also to get us a brand new body. Why do we need a new body? Well, uh, if we walked in and talked to the Lord right now, we wouldn't be able to see for six months because he's so radiant. Wouldn't that be weird? You're, you're blind for two months. What's wrong? I went and saw the Lord. No. So he's going to get us a body where we can walk right in and talk to him. It's, it's of necessity. The stain of Adam has to be taken off of us. We, we've borne the image of the earthy. We'll bear the image of the heavenly. You think about in the Old Testament where in the New Testament you've got cherubim and seraphim. And the, the, the seraphim have... Two wings that cover their face, two wings that cover their feet, and two wings they fly with. Okay, they're created to be at the throne, yet they still have to shield themselves from his glory. So God's going to get us a body where we can walk right in there and talk to him. Amen. Won't that be cool? Go talk to him and, and come out and the, and the radiation of it. You saw it in the Old Testament. Moses went in and talked to the Lord for a few minutes. He would come out. They had to put a lampshade over him. <laughs> Amen. They had to put a blanket over him. And the Bible says that was no glory in relation to what you have in Christ. And that was no glory in relation to what you have in Christ. So we're going to see some radiation like you've never seen before, man. It's going to be so cool. And you always go to the Word. You know, if you want a question answered, the Word answers every question. Uh, the Bible shows us exactly what your glorified body will look like. Remember when Jesus was raised from the dead? He's walking on the road to Emmaus. The guys are walking with him, and they were sad. He goes, Jesus, they didn't know who he was. Don't you love how cool that is? That he wouldn't let them know who he was. Their eyes were beholding who he was. He said, how come you guys are so sad? He said, well, if you lived around here, they crucified our Lord. And the Bible says Jesus would have kept right on going, but they constrained him to stay for dinner. And as he sat down for dinner, Jesus took them through the Old Testament and showed them Christ in every book. How'd you like to have a, a resurrection message from the king himself, man? Come on. You know, he, he could have said, I'm him, losers. Come on, I told you I'd be raised from the dead. But he was so sweet, took them through the word. He's physically in their presence and takes them through the word. All right, all of a sudden he, he, he breaks bread there, departs, disappears. Then they went, wow, that was him. Did not our hearts burn within us the words that he spoke to us? Wow. Well, they went back and told their buddies, we saw him, we ate with him, he gave us an Easter lesson. And they go, no, you didn't. <laughs> Thomas goes, I don't believe that. 
He goes, in fact, I won't believe until I see the hole in his side, until I see the hole in his hand. I will not believe. Jesus walks right through the wall. Thomas, reach hither your hand. Be not faithless, but believe. Thomas said, my Lord and my God. I guess so. Well, they kind of freaked out. They said, he's a spirit, because that is pretty cool to walk through the wall. <laughs> Isn't that going to be fun to be able to do that? How cool is that? Amen. He said, no, no, a spirit hath not flesh and bone as you see I have. So he's explaining to them this new body, it's flesh and bone, but it can still go through walls. And the first thing he said to them is, do you have any meat? He didn't say, do you have any kale? He didn't say, do you have any broccoli? <laughs> he didn't say, do you have any salad? Come on. Didn't mention salad. He said, you got any beef? Come on. So in that glorified body, he's trying to show you, you, you can be handled, you can be felt, still can walk through walls, and you can eat meat. That's pretty radical. Because people come up with this idea, the millennium, we're just going to be running around playing harps, and we're floating around, hello. No, you, the, you, you'll carry with you what you are. You don't change when you get raptured. Things are enhanced, not diminished. If you play the guitar, you'll play the guitar better. You won't get to heaven. I can't play. No, you'll be even better. The Lord's so normal, 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 normal. I was preaching on the millennium in Nebraska. He said, tell them they've never seen a roller coaster until they see one in the millennium. And everybody goes, oh, roller coaster? You think we want to do that? Yes, we'll want to do that as fast as it can go. And the, bless their hearts, the little mortals are going, we're going too fast. And we're in glorified bodies. Go crank it up, buddy. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, it'll be pretty neat in a glorified body to ride motorcycles, to do all kinds of stuff. Hey Amen, it's going to be a blast. So we get this new body, it's of necessity, so we can walk in and talk to the Lord. All right, let's talk about qualifications. Go to verse 14. He's going to tell you how to qualify for the rapture. Look at verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. So the, the prerequisite of the qualifications are to be in Christ. The Lord takes all the boasting out. I, you know, we have that mentality. I call it the Barney Fife anointing. You remember the show Andy Griffin? You know, I have friends, you know, they'll have one miracle and they start walking like this. Oh, yeah. Had some miracles last week. Yeah, yeah. So-and-so got healed. I'm like, dude, you're like the donkey riding into Jerusalem. The donkey going to check it out. No, it's not, not the donkey. It's who's riding on the donkey. Well, that went over real well. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> He takes all the boasting out. We have a tendency, we'd go, well, I'm so holy, I'm going up in the rapture. The rapture is not about you. The rapture is about him getting his body back. Yeah. Amen? So if you're in Christ, you're going up. I hear people go, well, if you're not in faith, you're not going up. Can't find Bible for that. Come on. If you're, he's coming back for a certain species, and that's what you are. You're born again. You're a part of his body. I might be the hangnail of the body. My buddies call me the hangnail of the body, but I'm still in the body. Come on, amen. I had a lady in Galveston. She, she uh, hammered me a couple years ago. She said, how dare you say all the believers are going to go up in the rapture? I said, well, you know, I, the Bible's pretty clear about who's going up. And, you know, the Lord asked me, the Holy Spirit loves to magnify Jesus. He said, ask her whose works would she tr rather trust in, her works or Jesus' works? I'm not trusting my works. I'm trusting his works. Amen. amen. So that's the qualifications. Let's go through timing for a little bit. You know, the rapture's not really mentioned in the Gospels, but there's one little hidden reference in the Gospels that absolutely opens up tons of things about the timing of the rapture. So let's get into that for a minute. Remember in John 14, he said, In my Father's house are many mansions. We're not so old have told you. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. Now watch. If I go, prepare, go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself. So in the Jewish uh, culture, Jesus just asked his guys to marry him. 
I'm sure they're sitting there going, did he just propose to us? That's the weirdest thing ever. I mean, that would be kind of weird if a dude proposes to a bunch of other dudes. You'd be like, what's up, man? What are you doing? So they probably looked at each other and go, did he just ask us to marry him? In the Jewish culture, a man would ask a woman to marry him. They would be betrothed, and the man would go back to the father's house. The father would oversee the construction of a honeymoon suite. And the son would know the room is ready. The father would go, your room's ready. Go back and get your bride. So I interviewed lady after lady after lady in Israel. I'd go, would you guys kind of know when the room is ready or when he's going to come? She goes, well, of course we'd know. i go, well, how close would you know? They, every one of them said, we know within a day or two. Now, that's going to mean something to you here in a minute. We know within a day or two. I said, how? She said, word would come to us. The room's done. <laughs> it's not rocket science. Somebody go, hey, your room's done. Get ready. Why? They didn't want to spend $500 on perfume and it's six more months. It's about being a good steward. It was like, don't be stupid. It's six more months. So word would come to them, and it would be about a two-day period. Now, I want you to get this. This is where it's amazing how we weren't taught this years ago. When Jesus said, of that day and that hour, no man knows, he was telling them, I'm coming back for you on Feast of Trumpets. Okay? He was giving them a clue to the exact time he's coming back for them. All right, now hang with me. Feast of Trumpets, <laughs> wow, is on the 29.5th day of the month. A new moon would come out. The Sanhedrin would send the two witnesses to go out and see, is it okay? Is it on the 29th day? Or is it on the 30th day? It was between those two days. That's why the, they knew, women knew there, they'd know within a day or two when he's coming. So what's going to happen is it's going to be the Feast of Trumpets, and the Lord's going to go, okay, there's a two-day period there. I know when it starts in Israel. I know when it starts in America. And I know there's a two-day period when the rapture is going to be, just like those women knew there was a two-day period when their husband was about to come back and get them. And the Lord, the Father will go, son, go get your bride, and he will come with a shout, and we'll go up to meet him in the air. And it's exactly like that. We've been taught you can't know, and it was the opposite. You can know. We've been taught, we, the number one, uh, of that day and that hour, no man knows. Do you know the Jews will know the exact day of the second coming? Now, this will kick over a couple of sacred cows, so don't get mad at me. Tradi people will follow tradition. When it comes to healing, they'll follow the Bible. Righteousness, they'll follow the Bible. When it comes to being redeemed from the curse of the law, follow the Bible. When it comes to end times, throw the Bible out. <laughs> Amen. Well, the, the Bible's real clear about this, uh, what's going to happen. Real super clear. And over the years, we were never taught this, that there's a two-day period, and that's when he's going to come back for us, and we'll know it. You will know when the rapture is going to be. And let me tell you why. In the next chapter, Paul said, you are not in darkness, that that day would overtake you as a thief. When the world says peace and safety, listen, then sudden destruction comes upon them, not on the church, upon them. They shall not escape. Come on. The church is going to be caught up. So you'll know within a couple of days. You go, well, I don't believe that. It don't matter. Whatever. I'm just telling you, come Feast of Trumpets, you're going to be paying attention. Who was the president, the last president? Trump, Pence, Trump, Pence. Their names even meant the coming of the Lord. Yeah, that's crazy. Trumpets, Trump, Pence. And the Lord's like kind of going like this. Hello, wake up. Uh, I mean, that's radical. That's extremely radical. So the Lord's so sweet to let us know about these things. So you mean we'll know when he comes back? Well, let me quote it to you because I think I got a little resistance on that. Look at chapter 5. He says in verse 1, but of the times in the seasons, you got your Bibles there, chapter 5, verse 1. But of the times in the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. Yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. Well, if you stop right there, you go, well, you're right there, brother. You never know. No, keep reading. For when they, the world, says peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them, the world, as travail upon a woman with child. They, the world, shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. 
Well, I, I don't know about you, but every, every Feast of Trumpets, I know when it starts, I'm doing a wave offering for those two days. Lord, I'm right here. Don't miss me. Come on, right here. I'm ready to go up. And I could be wrong. I, it, could happen on, it could happen on Pentecost. There's a few reasons I could get into about that. But whenever it is, I believe we'll know. I believe we'll start having church 24 hours a day. I believe we'll have an unction maybe a couple weeks before. Pastor Tom will go, you take the service from 7 to 9, you take it 9 to 11, you take it 11 to 1. I believe people will be coming in the church and we're going like, oh my God, we're about to be caught up. Amen. And you talk about exciting. Why? How many of you knew the date of your wedding? That all of a sudden, boom, I'm married. No. Man, there's so much. My daughter, there's so much work went into her wedding. She had nine bridesmaids. I've never worked so hard in all my life. It didn't happen by accident. There was labor involved to get that wedding going. Come on. So, so we even sent out things, save the date. So you say, you say you think we'll know when the Lord's coming back? No, I'm doing this because of what Paul said. I'm not thinking that. Paul said that. If I was teaching in Germany, teaching all the Bible schools there, I'd say, well, you said so-and-so and so-and-so. No, 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 no. The Bible says so-and-so and so-and-so. I couldn't be bold about it unless I got Scripture and verse. So we're, we're going to be caught up. It's so cool. Won't that be amazing to not have the weight of the flesh on us anymore? The, the, the presence of God running through our veins rather than blood will be flesh and bone. Glory to God. So let's go look at a little bit more. You got your Bibles there? Let's, uh, let's go over to Daniel. But before we get to Daniel, I won't go but a few more minutes. Go to Daniel chapter 9. We'll get into some of the, really, I think, some of the coolest verses in the Bible. But before we get there, I want to talk to you for an, about another appointment for just a minute, and then we'll get to that and we'll close. This is amazing. Okay, we know this. Right after the rapture of the church, we're going to be right up to heaven, meet and greet, however that works, you know, go to horse flying school for a little bit. You know, we'll go to Marriage Supper of the Lamb. But one thing we'll do before the Marriage Supper of the Lamb is we'll go to the reward seat of Christ. The Bible calls it the judgment seat. That's a mistranslation. It's the word Bema, B-E-M-A, reward seat. Just like in the Olympics, I've never seen a guy get a gold medal and go, oh my God, I got to go up on the Bema. No, they're excited to go up there. They play the national anthem for the country he represented. Big old weightlifters will start crying and they put those medals on them. That podium is called the Bema. Right after you're raptured, you say hi to your family. That's the first thing we're going to go to. He wants to reward you for all your stuff you've done for him. So hang with me. The judgment seat of Christ, he's going to judge your works, not your sin. He's going to judge the value of your works. Did you do things to be seen of men or did you do things because you love the Lord? The motive of your heart will be revealed right there. So fire is going to hit your life. Everything that you've done with the proper motive even though things with the wrong motive, that'll be wood, hay, and stubble. That's all above the ground. Fire's going to hit it and it'll be disappeared. Done right there. You don't want to have a bonfire in heaven. Come on. You don't want the angels to go, everybody back up. This is not going to be good. God, Who was that? I, think I give my buddies a hard time. I go, my God, there's going to be some hay and stubble with you, buddy. Come on. So fire's going to hit your life and the fire will reveal the motive of your heart. The things that you did for the proper motive would be gold, silver, and precious stones. Gold, what's that? Your devotional life. Silver, what's that? The tongue of the just is choice silver. Your words either encourage or discourage. Make sure every word you say to somebody lifts them up. And the precious stones of the priest, he would go into the presence of God for the people, not for himself. 
So the amazing thing is you're going to go to that reward seat. He's going to adorn you with gold, silver, and precious stones. Your robe's going to have a special stitching right here that you came on a Sunday night. You'll have another stitch right here that you came on Wednesday nights. You'll have another stitch right here that you were faithful. You'll have another stitch right here that shows you're a soul winner. I'm telling you, your clothing is going to preach for you just like in the military. I've never seen a general go, check out the stars. I'm amazing. No, he ain't got to tell you he's amazing. I mean, they, they wear their, their fruit over their heart. But I've never seen a general go, have you ever seen stars like that? Those are the coolest stars, aren't they? No. No, they're uniform preachers for them. That's from the, Daniel. Uh, they'll, they'll, they'll be, you'll be clothed with glory and honor. It's the word regal. In the military, in the Navy, you wear khakis in the daytime, dress whites at night. He's going to put your robe on you, and people will be able to look at you and go, wow, you did the will of God. Amen. Won't that be wonderful? I think of my dad. My dad had a stroke. And uh, was unsaved. I walked into intensive care. I led him to the Lord. And he went on to be with the Lord right there. Never got to do one thing for the Lord. Uh, the whole thing is you don't want to have a Speedo bathing suit for the millennium. Come on. <laughs> I'm going to think of my dad. I'm going to be, Dad, put some robes on. You ain't got no robes. Well, you will be clothed indicative of your faithfulness. Now, you won't be jealous of somebody. You won't go, check out that robe. You'll see John Wesley and you'll go, you talk about a robe. Come on. We'll, we'll see John the Baptist and we'll go, check out that robe. So it's amazing how God wants to adorn you with your life of doing the will of God. Yes. You still got some time to do that. Think about it. Let's obey God. Let's go for it. Yes. And all of a sudden we go to the reward seat of Christ and we have something even presented Jesus. I want to have some, enough gold silver. I go here. This is for you, not for me. Yes. Amen. Yes. He even gives you grace to do the will of God. There's an engine in you pushing you to do the right thing. Come on. So we're blessed. So that's coming next for us. It's not a scary thing because sin was laid on Jesus. You won't be embarrassed. He was humiliated, so you don't have to be humiliated. You will be blessed, though, to have all the stuff that you, that you thought of that was wrong to be toast right there. Amen. Thank God for that. Okay, grab your Bibles. Did it take you that long to find Daniel? Did you find Daniel? All right, Daniel chapter 9. This will be just a few minutes, but this is a, the first part's a little bit boring, but it means something. And then we'll get to some of the coolest verses in the Bible that show you you can't be here during the tribulation. Because that's the first thing people ask me. Well, how can you prove we're not going to be here? Well, let's look at the Bible. The Bible's super clear. So look at Daniel chapter 9. It's page 994 if you've got a Bible like mine. <laughs> so in chapter 9, verse 1, In the first year of Darius, which was the son over whatever that is, which is the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. And, and here Daniel goes, I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. So Daniel's like, okay, we were in jail for 70 years. We were in captivity for 70 years. Why? He went back to the book and found out they were supposed to let the land rest Every seventh year. Don't plant on the seventh year. Go six years and let it rest on the seventh. Guess how long they fudged and planted on that seventh year? 490 years. So they owed the land back 70 years. So God let them go into captivity to pay the land back. Very, very flawless in the Old Testament. So hang with me. With that said, think of that. They missed it for how long? 490 years. Remember Jesus, Peter asked Jesus, how many times do I forgive somebody? Uh, 70 times 7, 490 times. That's a number, I guess, for the Old Testament. So go over to chapter 23, verse 23 of chapter 9, and man, this is going to get cool. Get ready, get ready. You ready? Verse 23 of chapter 9. This is Gabriel talking to Daniel. At the beginning of the supplication, the commandment came forth. I'm come to show you your greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. 
He goes, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon the holy city. Now, 70 weeks, don't let that throw you. That's just another way of saying 490 years are 70 segments of seven. In other words, you missed it for 490. God's giving you guys another 490. How cool is that? Okay, what's it for? Number one, number one, what's it for? The Jews, thy people. What's the, what next? The holy city. It's for the Jews and for Jerusalem. It's not for us. Okay, hang with me. It's to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, bring in everlasting righteousness, seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Wow, verse 25. Here we go. Here's the coolest verses right here in verse 25. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem until the Messiah comes, it's going to be a certain amount of weeks, and I'm going to add it up for you because it's complicated there. Okay, so he goes, listen, there's going to be a proclamation to rebuild Jerusalem. King Artaxerxes was looking at Nehemiah, and Nehemiah was all bummed out. Oh, Jerusalem's all overthrown. He goes, what's wrong with you? He goes, I'm sad about Jerusalem. He goes, don't worry, I'm going to make a proclamation. He makes the proclamation to rebuild Jerusalem. Gabriel said when that, that proclamation goes out, Jesus is going to come after 483 years. And that's exactly what happened. Now, God gave them 490. So you remember when Jesus came into the temple right there? Well, when Jesus was on the earth, they said, are you the Messiah? They said, go tell them what you see and what you hear. Even John said, send some guys over there. They're about to cut my head off. Make sure he's the one. What did he say to them? Go tell them what you see and what you hear. But he wouldn't come right out and say it. But there came a time he rode on that donkey into Jerusalem, and they put those palm branches down. Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They said, oh, man, don't let them do that. You're admitting you're the Messiah. He said, if they didn't do it, the rocks would cry because it was exactly 483 years from when that proclamation came forward. Well, Jesus came after 483. How many years did he promise them? 490. He owes them seven years of old covenant time. That's the seven-year tribulation. Wow. He takes the church off the earth, repays them the seven years he owes them. God gave them 490. Jesus came after 483. He owes them seven more years. What's it for? It's for the Jews and for the holy city to, bring, to, to, to usher in the king. They'll get the oil of anointing. They got the oil of anointing just recently and got it ready. The Sanhedrin did because they're ready for the Messiah to come. They have everything ready because they know this is it right now. I'm just going to say this. I wish I could. I have a helmet with a siren on it, but I don't bring it with me anymore. Uh, if there's anything I could do to convey how close we are, I'd do it. I mean, if I... If I rent my clothes or set my shirt on fire and took off running. I thought maybe you'll remember that. But, but this is it. The king's coming. The earth is getting ready for the Antichrist to come on the scene. Midway through the trip, the Antichrist will go in and say, I'm God. And I said this a while ago, the Jews will know they have exactly 42 months from when that happens. In other words, we say, well, that day and that hour no man knows. The Jews will know the exact date of the second coming right there. Can you imagine thinking that this guy's their Messiah? They're going to think the Antichrist is their Messiah. All of a sudden, he goes into the temple and goes, no, nah, I'm God. They're going to go, uh-oh. How'd you like to have the guy you thought was the Messiah be the devil incarnate? You talk about an uh-oh moment. This is going to be a freak show for a little bit. Like, wow, the guy we thought was bringing peace is actually the devil incarnate. So these are seasons of all of the earth getting ready for this. You, got, you literally have person after person stepping into position because the king's about to come. So as a church, what do we do? Hustle. You say, well, what's the number one thing for a church? Let's go for it. And let's be about, busy about the Father's business. And let's don't fit church into our life. It is our life. 
I'm telling you, you're going to be so glad you did. You're going to walk by your house. When you go into your house in heaven, there'll be a placket right up there. There'll be different badges on it, just like kids for children's church. You'll have little stars right there. Wow, you got a star for that? What was that? You went on the mission field. There's a star right there. What was that? That you attended church when other people wouldn't attend church. You'll walk by it and go, pow, I was in church right before the coming of the Lord. Woo, hallelujah. Because everybody walking in your house will go, you were in church at the very end, and some people were casual about it, like, I don't have time for that. And that star is going to come out of the wall and go, they're going to go, wow, you went to church when everybody else was crazy. Come on. So Jesus is about to come back. Aren't we blessed? Let's be about his business. Let's be soul winners. Let's be kind. Let's be merciful. Don't, don't, let, don't harbor any bitterness about anything. Don't hold on to anything. No grudges. People that you're mad at, forgive them. Walk in love. Tell them you're sorry. You missed it even though you didn't miss it. You be the, you be the big one. Come on. In every given situation, somebody has to be the adult. <laughs> that kind of proves out in time. Amen. So are we ready to see him? Yes. Hallelujah. And in the old days, we had rapture practice. I don't think we have to do that anymore. But we can, we can make some fresh consecration dedication. So I preached a long time. Let's do this. Let's all bow our heads for a minute. And let's just think about the last thing the Lord told us to do. And let's consecrate and dedicate to do whatever he gave us to do. You know what? He'll give you new vision, new revelation right there. Because he loves you. Father, we thank you. We thank you for, for the rapture of the church, how close we are. We're amazed at the perfection of how you work with the earth. Help us see how grand you are. Help us see your plans and your purposes. That in the days to come, we'll literally see it unfold to where we get to be caught up and be with you in person. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. So tonight, we, we examine our lives. We we, we, we choose to make a new consecration and a dedication to do your bidding and to do your will. Help us walk with you. Help us demonstrate your resurrection. Help us see that, that anytime people get around us, they can see that Jesus is alive and well. We thank you for it. We give you glory. We give you honor. And we give you praise. Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I mean, he, he wants to bless you, wants to uh, do whatever he can for you to help you. Yeah, I remember a meeting I was in in Colorado, and I was with another minister friend of mine, and uh, we were preaching morning and night, and there was a big uh, luncheon we were going to have for the pastors, and gosh, I think about 75 to 100 pastors came, and I had a vision right before we walked in, the guy that I'm preaching with, I heard him preaching out of Hebrews, you know, weighing aside weights or sins, stuff like that, I heard him preach that before he preached it, and all of a sudden, I'm in the back of a boat, this is a word of knowledge, remember in the Old Testament, Elisha said, went not my heart with you, when you joined yourself to the chariot, I'm in the back of this boat, watching this pastor ski, he's, I know the guy, he's skiing a slalom course, he's amazing, he can ski so good, and I'm in the back of that boat, and then I heard that preacher preach what he was going to preach in the meeting. We walked into the, the, the luncheon with the barbecue. The barbecue smelled good. And my buddy got up and preached the very verses that I heard him preach. That's called a word of wisdom. I saw him preach it before he preached it. And then I thought, well, I won't say anything. I'll keep my mouth shut. And the pastor that was there said, Joe, you got something. So I got up. You know, I said, you know, we've all got things we need to lay aside. Now, the Lord didn't want him to, to quit skiing. He wants him to be the best skier on the planet. Just don't put it ahead of your call. I mean, if you like golf, he wants you to be the best golfer there is. If you like football, enjoy it. Don't put it ahead of what God's given you, though. So I got up and said, you know, we've all got things we need to lay aside. And we just had a moment of consecration and dedication. I che was checking out that guy, see if he was going along with it, and he was. So we were done. I ran right up to him when we were done. I said, hey, have you, you been skiing lately? He goes, I've been too busy. 
No big deal. So I got back in the car, and the evangelist that I was doing the meeting with, I told him, I said, hey, I had a, a vision. I, I know he's a good brother, a friend of mine, like a brother. I said, nah, 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 nah. I heard you preach what you preached before you preached it. And he looked at me. I said, yeah. And then before that, I'm sitting in the back of a ski boat watching this guy cut a rug, man. He's slaloming good. And that buddy that did the message, he went like this, oh, my God, grabbed his mustache like that. Oh, my God, oh, my God. He goes, I asked that pastor to come to the meeting that night. And he said, oh, I'm too busy. I'm going into Denver to get me a new water ski. And the guy on his staff said, didn't you hear what the Lord was trying to say to us today? Maybe you should lay aside some of that skiing. He goes, oh, Jesus would have to appear to me before I cut down my skiing. Now, the Lord wasn't wanting him to stop skiing. He wants him to have a blast skiing. Just don't put it ahead of your call. I mean, he, he wants you to enjoy your life more than you want. He, he, I'm happier when my daughter's happy. I'm the happiest in life when I plot at blessing her. Amen? But don't put something ahead of your call. Why? Because it, it might trip you up. You don't want to be tripped up. You want to accelerate. You wouldn't want to run with 75 pounds of bags all around you. I think I'm just going to keep running. No, get the bags off. So I don't, I don't believe 50 years ago the Lord would have said anything to that guy, but now we're so close to his return, he wants you to just be able to accelerate. Yeah. Amen. Keep your heart clear. Keep it pure. No bitterness, only joy. Let's thank him before we go. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your kindness. We thank you for change in all of our lives. As we make preparation to be at the throne of God, we're in awe of you giving your life, Jesus. We magnify the blood of Jesus that was given for all of us. We thank you for it, Father. We give you glory, give you honor, and give you praise. Jesus' wonderful name, amen and amen. You know, I, I, uh, sometimes I'll have 10 words in all, sometimes two, sometimes 15, whatever. I had a couple things come to me, and I'll call them out real quick, and you just receive it. This first thing is, is you've got some kind of damage in your jaw. I don't know what it is. I learned not to put a, a label on it. Damage in your jaw. Uh, the other one is arthritis down into your hands. Uh, where I was two weeks ago, I had a word of knowledge that somebody had arthritis from here to here. You think it's carpal tunnel. I called it out, and the guitar player instantly healed. So the doctor said it's not carpal tunnel, it's arthritis. He had been in a ch this church and was skeptical about the gifts of the Spirit. It's hard for him to play the guitar, and he got healed right there. I had a word of knowledge one time that someone uh, uh, can't write. I'm in Mount Pleasant, Iowa. Never heard of that before in my entire life. I said, somebody here, you can't write. I don't even know what that means. This man walked up to me after the service. He's bawling like a baby. He goes, I have a disease like dyslexia. I've never been able to write in my entire life, 30 years old. He said, you call that out? I wrote a poem about the coming of the Lord. <laughs> Amen. He's just good. All right, th this other thing, uh, your, uh, the, the lower part of your belly here, your, your uh, uh, bladder. You got some kind of damage in your bladder. Lord's healing your bladder. Lord, thank you for taking care of their bladder. This other one's whiplash. I know a lot of people have that. It may not have been a car wreck, maybe something else. You got damage in the base of your neck. Right now, Lord, I thank you for taking care of their neck. Thank you for taking care of that bladder. Thank you for taking care of that arthritis. Be gone from them right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for it. Someone's skin's being healed too. Skin, your skin's being healed. Don't know what it is, but just take it. The thing about gifts of the Spirit, they're just freebies. Just, just take them. Praise God. Amen, 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 amen. Praise the Lord. Lord, we thank you. Thank you. What else? There was one more thing. What was that, Lord? Praise God. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Your socket, your hip socket. You've got some kind of, it looks like a spider web, some kind of damage in your hip socket. Don't see if you're healed. See that you are. 717 on Sunday night, you got your socket healed. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Just take it. Take it, take it. Let's thank him for a second, and then we'll go. Lord, we thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your kindness. We magnify you, Jesus. We magnify you, Jesus. We magnify you, your kindness and your mercy. We lift you up tonight, Jesus, before we go. Wow. King of kings, Lord of lords, lily of the valley, 
bright morning star, firstborn from the dead, hallelujah, shepherd and the bishop of our souls. Ooh, glory to God. We magnify you, Jesus. Hallelujah, amen. Blessing and honor and power and dominion to the Son. You guys, thank you for coming. You guys are so easy to preach to. You're so hungry. What a blessing for me to get to be with you. I want to thank your pastors for having me come. Thanks for having me come. Look forward to hearing what all happens. I know it'll be wonderful. Great things ahead, and then we're going to be caught up. So bless you for coming. Give Pastor Tom a big hand as he comes. Thanks, Pastor Tom. Appreciate it, buddy. Thank you, sir. Would you bow your heads with me just a moment? Please, if you were invited tonight or you came and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the rapture is going to happen. People say, well, it won't happen until so-and-so. No, the Father knows the date, and it's going to happen on that day, and no man's going to change that, amen? But the Bible says that the number of the Gentiles will be fulfilled. If you're here tonight and you have never asked Jesus to come into your heart, to be your Lord, to be your Savior, and you'd like to make that decision, then would you pray with me this simple prayer? We'll all pray it together to help you. Pray it from your heart. Pray it because you mean it. Words won't get you saved, but words believing will get you saved. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. Say this with me. My dear God in heaven, I believe, tonight I believe tonight that Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ. He, is he is the Son of God. I believe that He died on the cross, that He rose on the third day. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I thank you that your blood has washed all my sins away and that tonight Come on, keep saying that tonight. I am in right standing with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. No one looking around just for a moment. If you're here tonight, you're praying that prayer. We like to say congratulations. We like to just give you a free gift, not have you come up front, not have you stand. One of our altar workers just put this in your hand, a little package to help get you started, get you in that race. If you don't have a Bible, there's a little card in there. Take it to the bookstore. They'll give you a free New Testament, our gift to you. So if you're here tonight and you have never asked Jesus into your heart, you're doing it tonight, or maybe you have, but you're not living for him, you'd like to rededicate your life, or maybe you're not sure yet. You're still seeking. We've all gone through that seeking period, and you would still like this package free of charge. At this time, just raise your hand up to any of those three, and our altar workers will bring this to you tonight. If you're receiving the Lord for the very first time, rededicating your life, or you're just not sure, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. He loves you. He loves you. Just put your hand up high. Let the altar worker see it. All right, then we're all born again Christians tonight. Amen. We prayed before for our family, for our neighbors, for our loved ones. Amen. We're going to receive our love offering tonight. If you need a love offering envelope, go ahead and raise your hand. If you're bringing your regular tithes and offerings, then just use the regular envelope there. If you need a different way to give, they're up on the screen there. Just go ahead and put it in, and we'll make sure what comes in and more will, will be given to them. Amen. Also, he has a resource table outside. Check it out before you go. See what stuff is out there you might want to bless them with. 
Amen. I was talking to him before. 46 different churches this year in 52 weeks on the weekends. Wow. He's got a busy schedule. He's on every Wednesday. That's how I got introduced to him. Just looking for some good end time teachers. There's some good ones out there. There's some wacky ones out there. Let me tell you guys. And when I bounced on to him, just type in on YouTube, Joseph Morris. It's E-D-U. Yes, E-D-U. Go on there and check it. It's about 10 minutes, maybe a little longer some weeks, a little less other weeks. Don't you love YouTube? They put that speed button on there now. Isn't that wonderful? When you get them slow guys, you put 1.5. Hallelujah! You don't like that? You don't use that for me. I know that, right? <laughs> God is good. Oh, Mary Hart does good like a medicine. Broken spirit dries up the bones. Amen. Amen. If you're making out a check, please make it out to CFFC, Christian Faith Fellowship Church. Ushers, come forth. I'm going to go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you for our dear brother Joe coming and blessing us this uh, Sunday, Lord. Father, it's good. It's refreshing. Oh, this whole COVID thing was such a blah. Let's keep the abortion clinics open. Let's keep the bars open. But shut down the churches. I thank you, Lord, that we had church. It might have been outside, but we had church, Lord. And I thank you, Lord. I don't believe we're going to go through that again, Lord. So I just thank you, Lord, for getting back to normal, getting things rolling again. I thank you, Father, for your great love for us. We pray for our brother Joe, his wife, his daughter, his grandchildren. We pray blessings upon them. Lord, you said when someone comes into your house, they leave a blessing. Bless them also, Lord. So we bless him now in Jesus' name. Amen.